What's up, everybody? Welcome to Modern Guilt. Thank you for tuning in. We are on episode 31 right now, recording on a Monday morning, and things are pretty good. Just come off the weekend in Brisbane. We've got Australia Day tomorrow, so it's like a. F- you excited? Nah, I mean, I'm not excited, but like, I'm not working, so that's good, yeah. I suppose. I I am actually doing something outside of my comfort zone tomorrow though. I'm doing an introductory, what do you call it, like pottery course with Francisca. So I feel as though I'm going to be really bad at it because I have like horrible fine motor skills. Mm-hmm. Anytime I do some, try and do something like painting or whatever, I just make these big grotesque like brutish strokes with like big globs of paint and I feel as though pottery will not be my forte but hey i'm doing it so fuck the world hard to um get into that stuff hey like my fine motor skills are fucked as well (laughs) and i don't know why and i don't know how to make them better Uh, it's probably just practice yeah probably (laughs) but yeah so we're gonna go to this i don't know like farm and hang out with some old guy who's gonna teach us how to spin clay or something like that i don't know the right terminology for this but i'm pretty sure it's called spinning if when you have like a pottery wheel and you do things with it and uh yeah so yeah that's uh my australia day actually you probably wouldn't have heard but our fuckface prime minister said something pretty hilarious like because as you can imagine or maybe you're aware i don't know but Every year, there's just the same, um, like, played-out controversy for the two weeks leading up to Australia Day about how all of our, like, you know, public broadcasters and people on social media are like, should we change the name of Australia Day? Should we change the date? You know, Australia Day is actually Invasion Day. What about Indigenous rights and all that kind of shit? Invasion Day. Yeah, and, um, well, I mean, technically it is, you know. It, It marks the day that... Who has a beer on fucking Invasion Day? <laughs> Fuck yeah, Invasion Day! Yeah. I can't see it, eh? <laughs> that's, that's the whole point. I think it's the renaming it to Invasion Day would, would try and encourage people not to actually celebrate it because it marks the beginning of a genocide, which is not very nice. But anyway, our um, fuckface president, Scott Morrison, or Scummo, Scotty from Marketing, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. I said president, I meant to say prime minister, was defending um, Australia Day and said something along the lines of, oh, well, you know, for those settlers who arrived on the on the first fleet on those 11 ships sailing into Sydney Harbour, they didn't really have that, have a flash day either. <laughs> <laughs> Just equating those guys not having the best of times to like an entire, you know, culture being pushed to the brink of annihilation so we never see it from their perspective hey? yeah so yeah. that's good <laughs> one of them stubbed the toe and it was fucking yeah. shit so um yeah well every australia day there are like enormous protests all across australia like you know tens of thousands of people marching in the streets for indigenous rights and whatnot which is yeah. something i support but i also just sort of i'm so sick of all the noise from both sides i just want to i don't know put my head in the sand for the day fair enough yeah anyway is there a way to celebrate those holidays in a neutral sense because i I remember being like in melbourne last australia day and it was kind of funny to see like the protests that you describe um 
followed by like the cheers of people in bars supporting the protest but obviously not giving a fuck because they're just sitting there getting pissed regardless because it's australia yeah it's pretty funny right um which i think yeah i think that's like one of my favorite things uh, about those like divisive holidays is you have people that are going to be like well nah it's fucking australia day be a patriot can't like you know what's the problem with you and then you have like you know the other side um you know the invasion day side and then you have the neutral parties that don't give a fuck and are just like fuck yeah sitting in whatever the yeah yeah they're the only winners out of that entire fucking uh um, i don't think there are winners i don't think show. there are any winners um even even those people sitting in the bar cheering on the protesters outside i think are fucking idiots because like they're positioning themselves with a side even though they're not doing anything like it's like a lot of people throw like australia day parties and then like sit in their their camp chair next to the pool getting pissed while they just like post always was always will be on instagram (laughs) it's like you don't fucking care you're just an idiot you're just a hypocrite so like just yeah (laughs) say nothing i don't know there's there's, i don't know have a beer in the bar and um yeah but i've i've always been of the opinion that our national holiday should be the date that Australia um, seceded from the British Empire, became a Commonwealth. I think that makes perfect mm. sense. Like, why would we want to be bogged down in, in a legacy? If we want to, we can still remember Australia Day as, a, as an important day of mourning or reflection, the same way we think about Anzac Day, but celebrate our country um, on, on the day that, yeah, we, um, we became a country as opposed to a colony. Mm. Yeah. Collective celebration is um, a strange idea, I guess, mm. of what you're going to rally behind. I don't know, man. I'm a fucking immigrant, you know? I don't belong to the country that I'm in, so all of this shit to me oh, is well, just like, neither I don't do I. feel any anyway. <laughs> I'm so, an immigrant yeah. too. Oh, yeah? All oh, right, yeah, you are. Yeah, I mean, I was born in Australia, <laughs> yeah. but as a New Zealand citizen, and then I grew up in New Zealand after moving there as a child, and now I've moved yeah. back to Australia and have lived here for for nine eight or nine years or something so like i i very much i think am integrated in australian culture and i feel australian but i'm not Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's it's unusual but anyway uh national holidays in general are interesting because of the sort of the way that they perpetuate the jingoist or nationalist kind of narrative yeah they're they're really i guess tools for the consolidation of power by by governments over their population maybe sometimes it's just a good time though you know like i remember i can't remember what i was celebrating in fucking jakarta it was something but i don't know part of it is i didn't care there's just people out in the street and they're all dancing around and celebrating something or you know like on uh at the end of ramadan that's always a good time and i guess it's it's important to know what you're celebrating as well but part of it is just nice to see people getting together Mm. oh don't get me wrong i i think celebration is great i think people getting together and having a having a good time is awesome but like you say it is important to know what you're celebrating and often national holidays are not worth celebrating like the nation state is an artificial construct that largely exists only for the convenience of governance um i personally don't think much benefit comes from the nation state oh cool i'm gonna agree with Mm. you there you know so anyway that's would there be a national holiday 
in the uh in the modern guilt island separatist segregationist fucking not segregationist but sorry the separatist um modern guilt well yeah the national holiday will be marked on the date that you and i finally sell out of gamestop (laughs) (laughs) i can't wait eh? so sick of that fucking company We'll have a, a televised live appearance from Rod and uh, Deep Fucking Value. <laughs> yeah. And, it's the birth of yeah, the they'll um, perform a Kim Jong-un-like role. Just stand on a podium while all these games stop. <laughs> Freshly minted millionaires march past them in formation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so begins the cycle, I'm sure, yeah. when people will rally against our national holidays and cultures yes but exactly yes yeah. that's a problem down our, our offspring will be our own yeah. undoing yeah, oh yeah. yeah i mean this is the nature of power damon when you play with powerful weapons you see large repercussions how tiring it all oh, is yeah i saw goldman sachs coming out and um hating on the market and loosely hating on very obviously retail investors yeah i saw something Um, similar maybe the same post even um so superpower goldman sachs who has destabilized countries i mean destabilized the u.s (laughs) at that yeah (laughs) yeah it's interesting to me to see them call that out i'm wondering if there's like a legitimate threat to their potential power surely not i always thought retail investors like erratic couldn't truly affect the actual you know market fundamentals well one of the sort of conspiracy theories that i've read online and that i don't necessarily believe but i can see the logic behind is that some people believe that the likes of goldman sachs and the large financial institutions are starting to to ramp up this rhetoric now in order to essentially leave like a paper trail and start to formulate a narrative so that in five years time when the market crashes they'll have this on record this kind of uh slow burn of critique against retail investors and their reckless behavior and then they can use the retail traders as scapegoats for all of the destabilizing behavior that they've engaged in and that's not even a conspiracy theory man that's just like oh wait repeated well, there you I mean, go. I don't, I don't know the details fucking, behind that. Those fucking idiots with their credit cards going and buying houses and not having enough money right. to do yeah. it. You know? Oh, those fucking morons. Like, those sons of bitches are totally, totally would do that. I reckon, like, a deeper conspiracy that I've been watching um, that some Discord homies have sent me is, like, the uh, jump for control over assets notably crypto with janet yellen coming out against uh bitcoin and being it's used for terrorism you know mm. deutsche bank isn't bitcoin is uh used for terrorism as it turns out yeah yeah <laughs> so that is like so you you think if i follow you're implying or someone is implying that like the establishment is now painting this narrative around cryptocurrency so they can actually move in and seize it or take yeah. control of the the infrastructure or whatever. Well, there's a powerful weapon in silencing people and having the power to do it. And Shkreli, in an article that I sent you, had a great little satirical piece on basically 
just launch your own platform blockchain yeah. yeah launch your own platform launch your own paint company to paint the walls because the paint companies don't sell to you anymore you know go mine your own resources <laughs> if you if you wanted to go start your own company uh and crypto i've never bought in i don't i've never had a single coin of any kind i had dogecoin actually but that's only because it was gifted to me and that wallet is since been that's lost, the worst so. fucking gift anyone could give someone i would be so <laughs> fucked know, off right? if someone's like hey bro here's some crypto for your birthday like fuck off give me a beer yeah 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 um <laughs> But I, I don't have that anymore, and I'm sure it's not worth anything at all. And if it is, I don't give a fuck. So How many unclaimed wallets must litter the internet? Because I, I personally, I think, have had like two crypto wallets that probably have like, you know, a, a pennies still sitting in them or whatever that I just don't know the fucking address for or whatever. I don't know anything because i just don't care enough to have fucking taken care of the, the information and they're just in the ether there's that poor son of a bitch i saw who's like lost his hard drive with something like a hundred bitcoins on it in england no. and wanted to like tear up the fucking landfill just to get it and was trying to petition the city council to help him like uh scrape through this landfill to fucking find his fucking hard drive hell that's <laughs> devastating yeah, i mean man. i would be doing the yeah, same thing if bleak. i was him yeah oh i would i would that's like some deep depression tier shit oh. that's like i i would have a hard time coming back from that you, you probably wouldn't hear from me yeah that's dark if i lost all my GameStop shares in a fucking landfill or something i would yeah, yeah i would suck, move suck to tibet and just meditate in the snow for the rest of my life hey man just gonna go away for a while yeah. <laughs> you might not hear yeah, from me again yeah, that's horrible. What? That's why I don't want to buy into that shit because I'm so fucking worried about it. But anyway, I've never really bought into it. I've never invested in it because I don't understand it. And I still to this day don't understand it, but it's starting to become a little clearer to me and mm -hmm. the purpose of crypto and why it's actually usable, especially in the wake of um, Stripe kicking Trump off uh, their payment platform, <laughs> you know, due to white supremacy and Stripe had done it with a couple other companies, I think, and Gab has notoriously um, not been able to find any payment processor. And despite what you think about um, those companies, it's interesting to at least frame it in a way of like, well, when all payment processors won't do business with you and you aren't doing anything illegal, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what are your options for getting paid? And I guess crypto is the only one that I can really see. Yeah. So... The conspiracy theory that I'm seeing and that I'm, because I fucking fully believe that Goldman Sachs thing, 100% hands down. I have no problem believing that this is exactly why they're setting all this narrative up um, right now. So they can have someone to blame when the market crashes. Like, that's fine. The bigger conspiracy, I would say, is like that I'm personally watching is whether or not there's going to be a like crackdown on crypto or a way to, they're going to start trying to legislate against it. And using this terrorism narrative, whenever you see the terrorism narrative, it's always just concerning. fucking red flags. Yeah, yeah, man, because that's potentially going to be the one of the full like the ways that they can't control someone getting paid. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Can't kick someone off fucking Bitcoin. How are you going to do that? Yeah. Weirdly, we can kick people off cash. <laughs> you know, go make your own fucking dollar if you want to get paid. <laughs> okay, we will.
oh, it's terrorism. Somebody should make a cryptocurrency just like as a troll project and just call it like terrorist coin. Terrorist coin. Someone made Trump coin <laughs> a while ago. That's pretty hilarious. Yeah. I imagine like yeah. um, an image of like, you know, like ancient Roman coins with the head of like Julius Caesar. I imagine like a the head of Donald Trump at a profile angle, just like minted on a coin. Um, oh yeah, fucking A. Yeah. Mm. So interesting to see what happens in that space. I heard Biden's moving back into Syria. Oh uh, yeah, I, I looked into that though, but I think it's I think it's largely a bit of a um a no no story. Yeah, I think it's a bit uh blown out of proportion by people who have agendas against him. Um so I, I read I, I looked it up and I think importantly, like none of the major like kind of more reputable publications were covering it. There are only a few kind of like more obscure papers who are writing it. And I read an article in the Jerusalem Post which I'm sure is probably a, a propaganda arm of the Israeli government, but I still do believe uh, the, the position of this article. And um, essentially, yep. like, the United States throughout the entire Trump administration has still had around 900 troops in northeast Syria supporting um, Syrian Kurds and keeping their, their land secure and also securing uh, oil and gas wells. Mm. And periodically... U.S. convoys um, cross into that Kurdish region of Syria from the Kurdish region of Iraq, which is in the far north of Iraq, to, to rearm and resupply their troops there. And the convoy pictured in some of those articles was just a sort of run-of-the-mill thing. It's not like any sort of escalation. And I, I do believe that. Um, I think it would, it mm. would be um, too weird to, um, to just invade Syria two days into a presidency. Yeah. I'll I'll take everything you're saying, to be honest. I don't. I, there's so many hit pieces. I've largely turned away from that shit now because I just I'm sick of like one divisive article and another divisive article, uh, both screaming at each other, and to figure out the truth in something that I fundamentally am not involved in is too much work because that's all going towards GameStop. Unfortunately, <laughs> fuck my fucking life. Uh, yeah, that and. Uh, the new Burry story. Mm -hmm. You want to hear about it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so how's that for a transition? For the listeners, when Damon <laughs> says Burry, he means Michael Burry of Big Short fame. Yeah. So I came across this a while ago, and I found it really interesting, but I didn't really look into it very hard because, again, my mind was kind of like very consumed, and I've since gone back to it. So. By virtue of being uh, a semi, I guess uh, I guess I'm like a part-time degenerate gambler now. I have people ask me where they should put their money, and I normally say, "Well, you know, how much risk do you want to take on? Property's good if you can afford to play." After you tell them, go to www.patreon/modernguilt.com and uh, subscribe to our exclusive content for five dollars a month. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want the real insider info. Yes. That's where you go. But uh, if you're just asking me and, you know, the generally I'll be like, well, real estate, ETFs, you know, blah, 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 blah. I've heard it a million times. You don't have to ask me. Go look it up. Um, but Michael Burry came out and was anti-ETF. And that's kind of like a very controversial mm. opinion, I feel, that a lot of people would be like, well, what? Yeah, I was. Um, when you, you mentioned that to me, first of all, I was like, hang on. No. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm, I'm still doubtful. So I'm interested in what 
what this what this is. So what? So the way ETFs work, just for everyone, uh, if you're if you're not familiar, is they're essentially. I'll I'll just also outline like an e ETF stands for exchange traded fund, just yeah. so people know. Yeah. So essentially, what happens is uh, there's a uh, they're they're called passive index, and what people do is they say, all right, we're going to take the top um, X number of companies within this particular sector of the economy and just put our money across all of them, sometimes equally, sometimes unequally. So the S and P five hundred is the top five hundred companies in the states, and what the index fund manager, whatever, will say will be like, cool, we're going to put an either equal amount across all top 500 companies, which will be, I'm not going to do the math live, but someone do it, whatever, one-fifth yeah, yeah. of... One-fifth <laughs> of 1%, 0.2% in each company it would be? Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. So, you know, yeah, figure it out, whatever, whatever your investment is across all of those companies. Or they will have an unequal weighting across all of them. So, you know, the top companies will be... Um, ten percent of the fund, and then there will be like you know another weighting at the other ten percent, and then so on and so forth until it's all divided equally across all these companies. And that's essentially how they work. And they just leave it, and they're like, hands off. We don't care. We're just passively investing. And some of these companies will go way up, other companies will go way down. But overall, this will perform better than if you have someone who's picking stocks, you know, uh, and they always do outside of the modern guild fund of course but like <laughs> uh every other time they do that's that's a joke it's not investment advice so michael burry has been like hold on this is fucking bullshit and uh this is actually a bubble and it's it's kind of fucked because the s p 500 has done very fucking well in terms of very consistent risk-free gains for a long period of time you know it's it's pretty good so his whole idea on this is that for big companies, there's a lot of liquidity. So liquidity is basically your ability to like buy in and then pull your money out at like a moment's notice, you know? So if there's a lot of money being traded, then you have a lot of liquidity and it's pretty easy to get your money in and out of a company. So something like Apple has like tons of fucking liquidity. Like if I put my money in, I know that I'll be able to pull it out. Um, if, you know, shit hits the fan, theoretically at least, you know, barring like, Tim Cook coming out as a um, Trump voter or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> the Democrats would just seize Apple. <laughs> yeah, 30, instantly down. Thirty thousand National Guard's troops descend upon Silicon Valley. <laughs> oh man, that'd be so fucking funny. So basically, a lot of the big companies are good, and these these index funds have like amazing liquidity. But also, you have to realize that there. are taking your money and investing it across all these other companies. And if you're pulling your money out of a index fund, you're theoretically also pulling it out of the companies that they are investing it in, right? So a lot of these smaller companies, as it turns out, in these index funds have really shit liquidity. Um, and while the bigger ones, you know, have, I'm pretty sure that like billions of dollars are traded every single day on these bigger companies. But in the smaller just below like the bottom 250 companies or something within the S&P 500, there's only about $150 million trading hands. That doesn't sound like a lot, but Vanguard...
so the Vanguard, which is the biggest index fund that tracks the S&P 500, let's wait for it to load, uh, is, 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 I need, I need to find this. Can I, can I just double check something you just said as well? When you said sure. the bottom or the, the 250 smallest companies in the S&P 500, I, I think you just said that only $150 million per day worth of stock trades ha um, changes hands amongst those two companies. Did you mean $150 billion across the 250 companies or $150 No, within million? those companies. So, uh, so if I'm picking a random stock mm. and the bottom part of the S&P 500, so the bottom 250 biggest companies. Yeah. So, oh, you mean individually per company? Individually. Within yeah, those right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Because I was, I was pretty like stunned. I was like, that can't be fucking true. Like across 250 companies. Yeah. But yeah. So here we go. The S&P 500 is uh, no different. The index contains the world's largest stocks, but still 266 stocks over half traded under $150 million dollars. Mm. basically okay yeah there are trillions that's why i wanted to pull up the figure but i can't find it but um there are trillions of dollars locked up in the s p 500 in the index fund mm -hmm. so when you compare the size of it and think like oh, okay there's good liquidity in apple there's good liquidity in fucking you know these other companies uh, but you what you have to watch is the sudden panic of people selling and trying to get their money out of a company. Mm. And if the liquidity dries up, um, then the fucking price just plummets. Yeah, you right. Know? That's when you get collapsed. That's when you get serious shit happening. Um, and that's scary. That's like not going to end well, you know? So if you're locking, and that's when you can have an ETF like really go down. So part of the reason that it's ETFs are becoming really attractive is that normally rich people like put their money in shit that they don't have to worry about. So the first thing that they do is they say, all right, the government issues me like a very consistent amount of money in the form of a bond. And I'm just going to buy those up and I'll make 1% on my like $50 billion that I have, you know, just above inflation, basically. Mm. So 3%, 2%, something like that. But because money is getting printed so much right now, there's so much stimulus and people are just having a big old fucking, orgy. you know, orgy on cheap cash because of all this uh, money printing from JP Powell and uh, presumably Janet Yellen's going to fucking continue that. And then there's the Biden stimulus and the Trump stimulus and stuff. Those relatively risk-free investments are drying up and they're like, you're now getting less money putting it in a bond than you were just holding it. Sorry, hold on. So if I, if I buy a bond, if I buy like a relatively risk-free investment, I'm going to be getting less money back. Out yeah, yeah. It's still better than holding cash, where it's just going to like get eaten by inflation. But interest rates are so low that people are like, oh, well, this is fucking terrible. So then the next best thing they look for is real estate, which is kind of a massive pain in the ass. You can buy big funds, but that also sort of has its own, own issues. And big wealthy motherfuckers like to be more spread out than that. And the next best thing they look at is these ETFs. But now that there's so much fucking money locked into ETFs, there is this potential liquidity issue that's going to fucking arise you know on the big bust the next big short and it's much bigger than the um than the big short you know yeah right which i found a bit of a nightmare to be honest yeah that's so that's really fucking interesting yeah and and this has a flow-on effect as well for people who are invested in um individual companies as opposed to etfs because you know if, if etfs are trying to pull their stocks out then those people who are individually invested in the likes of Apple 
will have a harder time getting theirs out as well, right? Well, those big companies are probably going to be okay because there's so much fucking money moving in and out of them. But um, I didn't realize that the bottom 266 companies have such small amounts of fucking money trading hands. Mm. You know, like 150 million is nothing when you're talking about trillions of dollars of assets, you know, and, and capital. That That is like, if everybody tries to pull out all of all at once um you're, you're gonna end up with a big mess on the floor so <laughs> you, can, you know it's it's bad uh, so um <laughs> yeah yeah but what, what what i was meaning though is that it, if everybody starts trying to pull out of these etfs because of this um liquidity problem then hmm. a lot of a lot of stocks are going to be sold well, a lot of positions in bigger companies like Apple are going to be sold, right? Meaning that the price mm. is going to drop for people who are holding Apple privately anyway. Mm. So, like, that's the, that's, that was the sort of flow-on effect I was talking about. Yep, yep, I guess so. Mm. I, it would be probably more dire for a company that's heavily in debt. And then, um, especially if they're betting against, you know, their share price at a certain level and their ability to sell shares to cover the debt. And if you have a sudden drop of a share price and it goes dramatically down... Mm uh then they could be well fucked yeah you know you could have a company go bankrupt under those circumstances yeah see i was um, i was sort of referring more to the to the risk of people who are like private investors who are holding shares as opposed to the risk to the company mm. like this potential etf crisis would still fuck everyone's share prices yeah. leading to more of a pullout and then the the panic sell and blah 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 well, everybody gets fucked in in this scenario. Mm. What's bad for what's bad for the company is bad. For the <laughs> <laughs> um, just because you know, if like, I mean, if a company doesn't go bankrupt, then it's a great buying opportunity. If there's a liquidity crisis and the stock price plummets, and then all of a sudden you can buy in at a cheaper rate, that's like all good. It's if a company suddenly disappears and you know your money goes up in smoke. That's that's the problem. Ooh. That was the problem with the CDOs. Because all of a sudden people can't pay for their houses. You know, if I'm, it's a, the story of GameStop's great for this, despite how sick we are of hearing about <laughs> it, is, you know, if you're betting that the company is going to fucking disappear and go to zero, then, then, you know, you'll make money. But if it doesn't, then you're fine. And if it can stay afloat, then it's all good, you know. But if, it, if it's like suddenly the bank calls them up and say, hey, you have to pay your debts because your share price is so low and we're worried about your ability to cover it and so we're going to jack the interest rate up and you're like, oh, fuck, sorry, I can't do it. Um, then you can disappear. You know, they can force you to fucking sell your assets off. That's what almost happened to Tesla is their price got so low that uh, there was a rumor and Musk alluded to this that he was getting margin called by the banks. And Whoa. it was like, you know, at that point, they'll just force a sell off. They'll be like, fuck it, you have to get acquired. And that's the point that you're fucked because money disappears and it's gone and your life savings are gone, you know? Yeah, man, that's fucking terrifying. <laughs> There's more to it that's fascinating. We'll link the articles, but it's just like, um, yeah, it's it's uh, pretty horrifying. Kathy Wood um, has said it's one of the greatest misallocations of funds because so much money is just pouring into this passive investing style that a lot of it ends up in these stupid companies that are just bullshit, you know, and they're not going to make money, but they're getting valued higher and higher. Yeah. And, um, and I suppose that's why Kathy Woods and ARK run such um, tightly managed funds, right? Um, to try and offset mm. that, that effect. Like they're... I don't know enough about ARK. Eh? Well, you should so, check, check them out, man. I think you would be really interested and really impressed. Yeah. 
they um yeah the, their their funds are really carefully curated and I mean I, I'm not going to keep talking about Arc because I'm not an Arc salesperson but it, it's worth <laughs> worth a look particularly yeah. particularly if you're interested in tech and and growth um and innovation I think maybe maybe that'll be my uh, my new advice well Barry's advice on all of this is that companies that aren't listed in these passive index funds like small cap tiny tech companies and stuff mm-hmm. but uh, more specifically within Japan are like criminally undervalued um, which is I need to fucking start looking into this to be honest because I didn't realize this was a thing but of course it is there's so many companies locked into passive index funds that there's all of these like little guys who are have like incredible multiples um, that are just getting lost in the sea of uh, you know passive noise, mm. passive index noise. True. Yeah, that, that's an interesting prospect. That's yeah. Well, I, I, I'm going to read up on this. Um, we'll we'll share Michael Burry's content in the show notes as well. So I guess this is going to be a pretty market centric episode. Because it's our slow pivot to finance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't stop evolution. It's a process of the universe. Mm. I've been reading about um, Jack Ma and uh, his recent sort of run-in with the um, the CCP, the Communist Party in China. And for those not in the know, um, Jack Ma is one of China's richest men. Uh, I think he has a net worth of around thirty-eight billion US dollars. And he's most notable as being, I guess you could say maybe sort of like the Steve Jobs of China. He was one of the first um, guys to make an absolute fortune off China's sort of um, tech and internet wave, kind of in the sort of late 90s, early 2000s. So when China first started... Do you know how? Because my understanding is that he was like an English teacher mm. and he knew some people. And I have no fucking clue other than like, he used to teach English. He tried to get into Harvard. Uh, he got denied a bunch of times. There's something about KFC. I can't remember. <laughs> and, uh, Maybe he like franchised a KFC or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real loose story. And then something, 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 dot, 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 dot. Yeah, well, I... I started Alibaba? Yeah, he did. He he founded Ali, yeah. Alibaba, which for our Westerners uh, listening is, you know, China's equivalent of Amazon, essentially, um, and is the second largest e-commerce platform in the world. So, yeah, he was an English teacher. You're right about that. And, yeah, founded Alibaba. I think if you wanted to put your conspiracy theory hat on, you could maybe get behind the idea that he was a CCP construct. Go on. Well, I, I think that um, w- it's, no, it's no mystery that um, the CCP drives China's economy and the entire Chinese nation building project has been a game of catch up with the West for 70 years now. And mm. with the, the tech waves coming at the start of the 21st century and even beforehand, you could imagine a situation in which the CCP has to to pull these people out of obscurity and say, okay, you're going to start this company called Alibaba. You're going to be an entrepreneur and we're going to fucking make it happen. And he is a member of the CCP as well, um, which is worth noting. I mean, hmm. a lot of people are in okay. China. It's not strange, but, yeah. you know, he, he is. So, you know, you can, um, you, you can imagine a, a world in which a member of the CCP who's working as an English teacher who might be... Um, exceptionally intelligent and have have latent potential is sort of pulled to the side one day and says hey hey jack ma we've got an idea for you and uh we think you might like it you know so anyway if if you're listening and you I like you it. like the sound of that pull some tug on some threads 
and you, I think you'll probably find something. Wink, wink. Join our Discord. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah. Anyway, Jack Ma um, founded Alibaba and formed spin-offs from Alibaba, um, including Alipay, which is uh, sort of China's equivalent to PayPal, and then started to i think he if i remember correctly he formed a um, a holding company called ant group which was the the company that all of these um these others were were held under or managed by and then started to kind of veer off the beaten track a little bit into something that i think for people in the west is is quite unusual but it was basically like sort of completely unregulated online finance and wealth management um like shadow banking i don't know what shadow banking is can you explain it oh, oh it's just like me lending you money oh right That's my understanding yeah of it. yeah essentially yeah so like jack ma is like pro deregulation and he thinks that more access to credit will be a net positive for the chinese people and China has like a huge level of um, discrepancy still between um, its sort of still developing regions and the rural areas where some people live in conditions close to poverty and then people who live in, you know, metropolitan areas like Shanghai or Beijing or the, the larger cities closer to the coast. Um, and he thinks that if Ant Group can offer um, more credit and more financial opportunities to more people in China, then that'll drive growth in China, um, which is not an, not an, uh, an uncommon idea. But um, he has run up against opposition from Xi Jinping himself. Um, who, and China, the CCP is starting to look inwards a little bit now. And on the back of, you know, decades of enormous growth now, they're starting to wonder, like, do we have a debt problem? Um, so in, in yeah. order to avoid what they see as a, a potentially a looming banking crisis, they're trying to start limiting the amount of credit circulating in the Chinese economy. And as a way to do that, they have um, pretty much called out Jack Ma. So in October, he attended an event where he was also sort of speaking alongside some very high-ranking members of the CCP. And uh, in front of these people and in front of a massive crowd and for the national media, he essentially said that the CCP is trying to implement um, policies which were designed for... I think he said something like... Um, we, we can't use rules, what do you say? We can't use rules for managing car traffic to manage airplanes or some shit like that. But right. basically tried, okay. tried to make the analogy that like where the CCP is trying to implement antiquated regulation on China's um, finance sector and mm. Alipay and Ant Group are the future and they essentially need to accept that they will operate with the freedom that he envisions that they should. Uh, so publicly challenged the CCP in like a, a regulatory space and then uh, went missing. So uh, <laughs> went Jack holiday. Ma went on holiday. <laughs> and apparently, uh, according to multiple sources in the media, this was uh, Xi Jinping personally uh, made the call that Jack Ma was going to have to step away from the public for a little while. So uh, Jack Ma was a uh, 
a judge on this reality TV series he had called, I think it's called uh, oh, yeah. Africa's Next Entrepreneur or something like that. Yeah, I really wanted to watch that. I forgot about Which is that. Um, cool. a really interesting um, insight into China's sort of power projection because like we're obviously very well aware of China's Belt and Road Initiative which is their own sort of form of neo-colonialism in, in terms of financing development projects in developing countries but you know they're, they're also doing this this cultural thing like a soft power uh thing where they're trying to I guess integrate um some of these African countries with with Chinese society and culture which is a whole other rabbit hole you could probably go down so Jack Ma was uh, replaced as a judge on his own show at very short notice and a spokesperson from uh, Alibaba said that it, he was uh, unable to continue his commitment due to scheduling clashes and then after that he, uh, he wasn't heard of until earlier this month. It's worth noting as well that upon his uh, quote disappearance the stock price of Alibaba plummeted 10% wiping $8 billion away from Jack Ma's net worth. Um, so not only uh, did the CCP say, hang on, you need to slow down, son. They're also like, watch out, we can destroy your wealth. <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So as you can imagine, investors and stockholders freak the fuck out. Everyone's like, where is Jack Ma? What's happening? Um, and this had a ripple effect across other you know, uh, sect sectors of the Chinese economy and particularly the tech and finance industry where this this regulation was going to have the largest impact. So Jack Ma made a, um, an appearance in like a 45 second video uh, that came out at the beginning of, well, closer to the beginning of January, if I remember correctly, where um, he, he runs a, a, a non-for-profit which uh, supports teachers and schooling. So he appeared in this video in this obscure setting and the only thing that's in the video, he's kind of just sitting alone. He's the only person on camera um, and it might just be a coincidence and it might be the paranoia seeping in here, but it's the same sort of framing as like an Al-Qaeda hostage video where you see like just from like <laughs> the sort of hips up of someone who's like either sitting at a table or cross-legged on the ground just right in the middle of the screen um, with some sort of yeah. like backdrop and they're just talking directly to the camera. And um, he essentially, like, without addressing his three-month holiday, aka visit to the detention center, <laughs> just talks about how him and his company now have just, like, um, renewed their commitment to um, driving education and development in China's, like, rural areas and eliminating uh, inequality and just hasn't been heard from again since. Yeah. So, you know, I think the CCP whispered in his ear and they said, Jack, we think that you might have other other purposes here, man. I don't know if this is your your path. I think you were put here to uh, to help guide China's uh, more impoverished po population. I think that's what Ant Group does now, dude, honestly, you know? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it seems like that might be the case. This is, this is Lovecraft's universe. This isn't anyone else's. Mm. This is like so fucking bizarre. Right? Yeah. I love how mental this shit is. Th there's, yeah. um... What are they saying to a billion... To someone with like 35 billion fucking dollars? Mm. What do you say to scare them? Well, you know? that's what... That, what could you possibly say? This very question supports my idea that I floated at the beginning of this little rant about the idea that he is a project. Yeah. You know, like, the, the reason they can say that to somebody worth $38 billion is because he's only worth that because of them. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's essentially a fucking automaton and they can just unplug him. Well, that's what I think, at least. <laughs> just take out his battery. You need to hit up, like, yeah. Oh, man. How can you not, like, read conspiracy theories in this day? <laughs> I don't get it. Like, you know, it's the only thing to me that um, there's, that's where the elements of truth are. You can't trust a lot of these narratives um, that we see. He's not in Tahiti, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's... Uh, That's fucked. That's terrifying. Yeah, there's a, yeah. Uh, a history of um, figures like Jack Ma taking leaves of absence as well, which we can link more information on if people are interested. Uh, insurance executives, uh, actresses, a lot of people in the pub- public sphere have, um, have had to go and be re-educated. We should do some looking into... Because, I mean, what, what's the threat? You know, like, what, what, what are they, do they take away your life? is some of those billionaires are very ideologically driven to the point that I would imagine that the threat of death isn't really, um, you know, going to stop them. Yeah. And I, I mean, they know what they're getting into. Then they're, they're not yeah. idiots, you know, like they understand what the CCP is and the implications yeah. of their success. Um, in China, you're forever beholden to the whims of the CCP if you're a successful person. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I mean... At which point I understand it, eh? But also, if you're so rich and if you make it outside of the CCP, um, I wonder what the threatening, you know? It would take away your wealth, take away your life, or is there some sort of, like, horrid fucking third thing that we don't understand and don't know about these education camps? Well, outside of the education camps, I think there might be a a factor that we're discounting a little bit and that's the idea of sort of social credibility and honor in chinese culture mm. which i think is enormous and it's part of the reason that the um the social credit system works so well in china and people actually place importance on it um and kind of accept it as a legitimate mode of governance in society because like people understand like well yeah our, our honor is really important and if you default on a loan or if you betray your boss like you should face repercussions for that, and I th- I think um, the the delegitimization of either those individuals like Jack Ma or their family and friends, their children, I think that is a threat that they can hold over their head as well. Um, like mm. the idea that your children and your nieces and nephews might not be able to get into the most prestigious universities anymore, or that when they graduate they're gonna have they're gonna be tarnished by your name uh when they go into the workforce and all of that kind of stuff might be something to consider interesting that that would trump 35 billion dollars which is like if there's ever a international passport i would imagine it's 35 billion dollars that should that should uh well you'd think so conversations to going anywhere like surely with that money you could just leave the fucking country and bring every single person um and their dog, you know, with you. And and just be like, fuck it, I'm done. I'm going to run Alibaba from, you know, New York or wherever the fuck I feel like it. I don't mm. know. Um, no, that's an interesting point. I um, I think the Chinese government might make the rest of your life pretty hard if you were to make that decision. Yeah. I think uh, they have uh, far-reaching arms. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You might... You might find some man shitting on your doorstep in uh, in San Francisco, <laughs> or, or, you know, um, to say the least. Uh, yeah, I uh, think, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, 
I, I wonder if their sense of loyalty to China and the Chinese people uh, keeps them around. Well, second point, is it better to have a state policing billionaires or to have billionaires policing the state? Because at the moment, we have two pretty shitty positions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The Jack Ma story and the Jack Dorsey story, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I don't know which one I would prefer, well, to be honest. They both, they both suck probably equally, I would say. Yeah, well, something um, that crossed my mind is that the scenario that we have in China right now is um, probably the, the late-stage evolution of some of the ideas that are unfolding in the left in the United States. Hmm. You know, eat the rich. Those people want government intervention in the lives of billionaires. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's quite interesting that you've got two extremes that might be diverging on one another. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. All I can... Man, the only... Corporate legislators and totalitarian governments um, suck a lot of ass in a, in a very bad way. <laughs> like, yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's no eloquent way to put this. It fucking sucks. Like, there's just, you know. Yeah, I, both of them. You don't want to be policed by the fucking HR policy at a multinational, and you don't want to be policed by the totalitarian government. I guess, like, okay, the worst Twitter, Facebook, Stripe, PayPal they can do i mean you're not going to be put into a uh, re-education camp i guess which is a plus maybe it's better to and the two bad outcomes it'd be better to be policed by corporations at least you're still free you know but, yeah well i mean um, in a sense okay no i'm not gonna, i'm not going to make this analogy because re-education camps are horrific um and i don't want to i don't want to uh take away from how horrible that is for people but you know if you um if you come up against the the censorship wrath of the big uh the big tech giants um and the establishment in the united states like you are in your own form of re-education camp you're told you're mm -hmm. thinking the wrong thing you know you have to go away yep. and re-educate yourself or be silent yep they're not that it's it's they're not completely different which is yeah. very, and, and that really can interesting. range from funny like if we get kicked off twitter i personally see that as a you know that that would be funny i would definitely laugh about that but it'll also be devastating for some people you know absolutely like that's their livelihood their income um they lose their job because they get fucking doxxed mm -hmm. uh you know they have screeching morons show the entire world where they live and i mean stuff like that you and i getting kicked off twitter or the modern guilt account being removed from Twitter or something, which I do believe would happen if we had a large enough following. I think if we continue to grow, it'll most likely be removed one day. Um, uh, I follow a bunch of fuckwits, but I don't even look at who I'm following. I just see a funny meme and click follow. So I just think because of what we talk about and what we share, like it, if it gained a large enough yeah. audience, I don't think it would be allowed to exist. <laughs> um, but if we were to be removed at this point, like, yeah, it's funny for us, but when a hundred versions of us are removed simultaneously, it's it's horrible for everybody. Everybody loses mm. because you you lose a diversity of viewpoints and and conversation and debate, which is fucking yeah. horrendous. You know what's terrifying is corporate legislators at the moment have the power to kind of like fuck your life up, and maybe you can find solace in the fact that there's um, you know. I'm sure groups of people that will still welcome you with open arms. But at what point does that change from corporate legislators to them starting to use, you know, actual legislators? Yeah, yeah. 
and thought crimes like it's it's never been more real absolutely to be like you, you see some of the shit that um is posted around about the whole like you know oh we're gonna start cracking down on these white supremacist terrorists and, and shit like that and you just think well or these crypto terrorists or whatever this fucking bullshit threat and it's like oh man it just reminds me of 2001 all over again you know mm-hmm. it's like yeah <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, in, in 2001, in 2002, being a Muslim in the West was grounds to be investigated, essentially, you know? Oh, yeah. No one would admit to that, but it was largely the case. Um, if you were a, a popular imam, you were, uh, you know, most likely uh, in the eyes of the establishment dissem- disseminating uh, propaganda. Um, mm. And, yeah, yeah, we're in, a, we're in an unusual space. I, I think your point about um, what we sort of call in an abstract way corporate legislation at the moment becoming uh, real legislation is pretty close. I don't think we're that far away from it. Yeah. I can see a world yeah. in which these, um, these antitrust cases and sort of Senate and congressional hearings with the likes of um, Facebook and Twitter transform into processes where these tech giants aren't actually curbed that much, but... The principles that they uh, implement now are co-opted by by uh, governance, and um, you you see like a transfer of these kind of rules, um, where those tech giants sort of do the bidding of the government in terms of their policing. Oh yeah, I don't see how they could ignore the power that they have. I mean, if there's one thing that's like eternal, mm. that's people grasping at the chance to wield power for their own good intentions, it's pretty. It's a tale as old as fucking time. If any of our listeners are unfortunate enough and have lived tragic enough lives to have not watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy at least three times so far, then stop this podcast right now and go and do that and you'll understand what Damon means. Yeah. To to understand the Lord of the Rings is to understand the world and I will die by that sentence. Um, I'll never regret saying it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also... Ray Dalio is talking pretty extensively about it. Coming next time, though, I haven't read his latest shit, but he's, like, very certain about a civil war breaking out, which at this moment in time is sort of like, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm not following the news super carefully. Mm, It's it's not going to happen. There's not going to be a civil war. Sorry, Ray, I love you, but there's not going to be a civil war. You don't know? The most you might see is some sort of insurgency, but that's not a civil war. Yeah. Yeah. I I hope not. Yeah, no, so do I. I I don't see it right now. Either. I um but a civil war would be disastrous for GameStop all the fucking time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I'm not. I don't find <laughs> that prospect CTF appealing shit, as, at all. They would sell far <laughs> yeah. less PlayStations. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, I mean, if there's one thing that's like wonderfully placating, it's money. Um. You know, and I think if shit starts rising, the best way to calm the masses is with a juicy 1.9 trillion dollar stimulus package to shut everyone the fuck up. Oh, wait, getting, like, it's almost like that's what checks. they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on, exactly. they are. You know, we can all live with a little bit more corporate legislation and... Um, and two grand. Fucking crackdowns and, and nonsense getting shoved in our faces yeah. with, like, $2,000 stimulus checks. We're not even getting them, but we're getting them by proxy, just by virtue of the fact Absolutely. that, like, the discourse is going to fucking shut down, you know? Um, yeah, um, yeah, no, bring on the stimulus yeah i uh i like it i like it a lot <laughs> so that's that's a lot of dark depressing shit um 
any optimistic viewpoints on on the world <laughs> on the future um oh, yes yes Christ. um i i haven't uh done enough reading on this to um have an authoritative opinion on it but hmm. i've heard talk circulating of um a travel bubble uh being planned between the governments of Japan, the Philippines, Australia, New Zealand, and the Pacific Islands, all being island states, obviously, um, and having a far greater capacity to, I guess, theoretically contain the spread of COVID, which would be a beautiful thing. We could see a, uh, a modern guilt Philippines expedition early 2022. Uh, <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah, I've never been. And I... no, neither have I. And, you know, I wonder, it's a, it's a loose jump to make, but previously on the podcast, I've talked about my view that there should be some sort of greater economic and diplomatic integration of um, the Asia Pacific region into something closer to like a European Union type block. And I wonder if a small travel bubble could be a precursor to something like that. That'd be very nice. Do you think the Japanese and uh, the Filipinos would have a beer on Australia Day. Wow, and that that's that's a question we'd have to just answer, wouldn't it? Um, wouldn't that be fucking interesting, eh? Yeah, I mean, a unification like that um, would be fucking fascinating. Yeah. Um, they need to get rid of the anti-Asian sentiment that's in New Zealand. That's frankly the most racist shit that I've fucking seen here. It's fucking horrific, but, right? Um, um, oh, I hate it. I can't stand it. I would love for us to be able to form a... Uh, a realistic enough simulation of an alternative universe where Australia and New Zealand haven't received a single dollar of Asian investment in their countries. And then we get to plug everybody in once a year to this simulation and they get to walk around Auckland and realize what an undeveloped shithole it would be. <laughs> and then people come out of a simulation after 24 hours and want to just kiss the feet of every Asian that they walk past. That's fucking, <laughs> that'd be hilarious. Yeah. Eh? yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I never even thought about that. That'd be fucking, that'd be fascinating. I have a theory that yeah. that Asians are like leading the evolutionary uh, bicycle race amongst humans. I think that like Asians are superior beings. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I fucking love Asia. Yeah. So, you know, that's why I don't shut up about Indonesia. Um, they understand the virtues of, of freedom in the true sense of the word, not in the fucking bullshit neutered version of what you call freedom in the West, which is nonsense. It doesn't exist here. There's no fucking freedom. Yeah, yeah. You know, as I've ranted about last yeah. time, and I will hold that true because it's just fucking bullshit. But yeah, I, I love Asia, man. This is a pro-Asia podcast. It is a very pro-Asia podcast. I'm just going to inject the disclaimer here that I am not a believer in eugenics. Um, when I say that I think Asians are superior beings, I am not on some like reverse Nazi vibe. Um, I, yeah. I really. Uh, they were the, the Nazis really liked Asians, as far as I remember. Um, they were down with Japan. You know? Well, they they allied with Japan, so, but only for strategic re reasons. I don't think they had any any any, any respect for for Asians in general. <laughs> Um, I'm sure if they could have, they would have just wiped them off the face of the earth um, at one point. Yeah. But anyway. Um, yeah, I dig that. That's that's cool. Uh, that would be fucking sweet. I certainly... A travel bubble, not wiping Asians off the face of the earth. No, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm definitely, definitely not down with that. Yes. But um, 
yeah down with the whole idea of being able to travel to and from japan that'd be sick dude i want to get uh, to japan and... so badly i only yeah. hear incredible things about japan and i've never met somebody from japan who wasn't a legend yeah. i fucking love sick. japan and japanese people even though i've never been there like i i yeah it's like when you're yeah. you're you're 13 and you've never had sex but you know you love it yeah 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 you've seen it online and it looks fun so. yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah okay cool man you're turning around my like horrible pessimism i still kind of believe um and it's a view that i've shared like earlier episodes or whatever that i think the states is going to slowly erode into um, more relevance over the coming 50 fucking years or whatever yeah and totally containment is more of like a name of the game than um anything else you know i just can't see where it gets out of the trap that it's in you know people don't give up power willingly no <laughs> ever i mean <laughs> like, yeah like no one's been like oh oh all this oh just give it away i'm, I'm sick of telling people what to do and ruling you know mm. fuck that i'm gonna retire like they don't do that yeah well they what hold do you... on to it till you well yeah. what do you what do you think are possible ways that the united states could claw back uh its position um well i think they really are going so you know a lot of people were hopeful that trump was going to be this like revolutionary character and drain the swamp and all that sort of shit and he just kind of turned out to be a resounding disappointment um for most people involved uh you know i guess there's a lot of people that i I, I probably can't really make that statement because there's so many people who voted for him but at least everyone i follow on twitter <laughs> was like disappointed that he wasn't the revolutionary character that people thought he was going to be mm -hmm. um a true revolutionary character would have to emerge would have to come in like get the fucking mitch mcconnell's and nancy pelosi's and um you know these like power mongers within congress out they would have to like have unifying support of dems and republicans there has to be a message like a universal message within the country that they can rally support behind mm -hmm. it's such a big fucking goal mm. and i think you know they have to want to destabilize government something like that yeah basically i um... i don't see how fucking else it can happen you know i think that message can be something in the ballpark of a Green New Deal. I think if if you marketed a Green New Deal correctly to the people, I think most, I think both parties and the majority of the population would get behind it. Um, if you if you framed it not as a greenification of the United States and a transition away from fossil fuel, but just a rejuvenation of the United States, if if they announced a ten trillion dollar spending package and programs that really did like you know lift regional areas um, and try and rejuvenate people and address inequality through high paying like trade jobs and stuff like that i i think that's something that could bridge the sort of divisions between people at the moment but i don't i i don't have enough faith in in uh the government to get it done you know yeah 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 and and it has to make money fundamentally as well oh know? i mean it, so... it would i'm sure how would it not like the the united states as much as it is starting to look like a failed project still has such an insane amount of power 
Like if mm -hmm. they, if the United States transitioned itself into the world's leading renewable economy, where like they put the same amount of spending as they do currently into like um, military technology and defense spending and fucking ballistic missile projects and all that kind of shit into like cutting edge, next generation, um, sustainable technological innovation that could drive the world's transition to that same, same point. They could be what the United States was in the 60s, I think. Mm. As long as institutional power doesn't fucking get in the way of it, grab onto it, yeah, <laughs> get in the way of it, yeah, you have to break down the institutions, and it's like I don't know, and you have to convince a lot of people and change a lot of minds, and yeah, it's a big task, and it would have to happen over years and years mm. and years. I couldn't see. Oh, it would be a twenty-year turnaround. Um, oh, yeah. but I mean, and you're talking about like not just the fucking government, man. The media needs to change. Mm -hmm. Like the the Democrat and Republican argument needs to change. Mm -hmm. And it needs to become something more... They could change to MMP, maybe. I mean, we still have a lot of division here where it's like, labor, national, labor, national, despite the fact that there's, like, representation in minor parties now. Mm. I don't even know why you even have that fucking debate here, but people still do. You know, they come up to me and ask, like, are you labor or national? It's like, neither. Why would you be one or the other? We don't have to have that dichotomy. Then. It's, it's you know? yeah. Don't be fucking stupid. I completely agree with that. It's, it's so bizarre yeah. that... um. Labor National, sorry, just for everyone, it's our, like, Democrat, Republican, that's our, like, fucking left and right, in, Nationals right, Labor's left. Yeah. In New Zealand. Um, in New Zealand. Yeah, it's, um, it's so fascinating that people will say, like, with which side do you identify rather than what do you think about policy X? Yeah. Like, what do you think about this issue? It's like, are you, a, do you support National or Labor? So do you, like, subscribe indiscriminately to everything they do? Or do you subscribe indiscriminately to everything the other side does? Yeah. Like, well this is fucking uh, stupid like why why am i not allowed to just have an opinion about roads <laughs> or, yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. farming yeah. or whatever um yeah and and that makes for much more interesting conversations too it, it used to be interesting like before um the exported narratives came over it, it was like that mm. i will firmly die on that hill because i think the exported narratives fuck us all man mm -hmm. like we all get fucked up from these stupid left right you're either, you know, pro fucking every left principle or you're anti them. And it's just like the, you know, not everyone is a white supremacist or a fucking social justice warrior. There's a smorgasbord of uh, delights between the two. Damon, do you um, not understand? If you are not pro-justice, social justice, you are by default a white supremacist. Okay. Stop trying to pretend yeah. you're not. True. Yeah. <laughs> you may as well just go and get a swastika tattooed on you, my friend. If yeah. uh... There's more than white supremacists. There's Asian supremacists as well. Jesus Christ. Like, it's not <laughs> even a fucking... It's uh, <laughs> not even a debate about one form. I can't of wait until the year 2150 where the entire world is just some, like, uh, shade of light brown because we've all just, like, <laughs> interbred enough and race no longer exists. Take me there. <laughs> Yeah. I want to move yeah, to Mars yeah. where on Elon's colony everyone's just a beautiful like tan color and yeah, and our yeah. eyes are like all a little bit Asian but not completely. How nice would that oh, be? Oh, I'm just looking forward to plugging my fucking mind into the into Neuralink or something. Just being done with emotions and, you know, evolving to the next stage. Oh, Fuck it. Wow, yeah. I'll sign up. But realistically, that's not going to happen. It'll just be like you plug into Neuralink and you're going to get bombarded with like 30 trolls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And people just going, you're a fucking faggot. Fuck you. You're a fucking dick. <laughs> I fucked you. Up. Yeah, just, Bring it. Just but, all day. 
<laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, that was a simpler time on the internet. Eh? I don't know if that's coming back. Um, <laughs> uh, the I fucked your mom posts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, can't say I was a huge fan, um, but <laughs> <laughs> but hey, we've never had an ideal version of the internet. Um, but what we do have ideal versions of are exclusive Modern Guilt podcasts, which you can listen to by visiting our Patreon. So if you go to Patreon forward slash Modern Guilt dot com, you can support us and our podcast yep. by subscribing, which will cost you five US dollars per month and give you access to uh, a monthly bonus pod where we're gonna we've kind of um, designated it as our like our, our stock analysis channel I suppose you could say um, we haven't actually sort of labeled it that but in our conversations with each other off the pod we have decided that's what it's going to be so every month we're gonna either come up with our own ideas on a stock to analyze or take recommendations from our beloved listeners and we're so gonna to the homie on Twitter yes who hit me up yes we are doing ocgn oxygen tomorrow whatever yep uh don't fret buddy it's coming to yes. you and it's hot and spicy and oh boy clinical trials clinical trials COVID fun and games um 10x beggars or 10x losers well yeah we'll see um so yes go to patreon subscribe drop us some coin um and then you can join the conversation about some some uh, stock analysis and do some research with us tell us what you think talk to us about your your positions what your predictions are whatnot and we'll we can bounce these ideas back and forth um yeah big big shout out to uh gme gang at the moment uh and all the momentum that uh modern guilt has been able to generate on the back of uh, increased traffic uh, we know that we don't always talk about GameStop because we, there is more happening in our lives than just that, believe it or not. So just try and bear with us and actually listen to our other shit because it's good. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure we'll have like a debrief, but frankly, um, we're pretty both balls deep in, uh, in uh, due diligence around GameStop. And at some point, we'll filter out the noise for y'all. But there's a lot of fucking noise and frankly... Uh, what I've seen, it's just going to be a matter of waiting till probably Q1 comes, you know? Oh, no, sorry, Q4 earnings or some shit. Yeah, I, I can't yeah. see anything of value realistically other than what's posted on Twitter and uh, GameDD.com and uh, fucking Wall Street Bets very occasionally. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of fucking noise on there. Even Wall like, Street Bets needs to fucking chill. I'm getting, uh, I'm getting pretty sick yeah. of it. Um, to anyone going to Wall Street Bets to do your game DD, just realize like one in five posts is trash, and you're probably better just like one in five. Just I would to... say three in five. Oh, sorry, no, I mean one in five posts are good. Oh right, yeah, something. yeah. Like, like, yeah. There's a lot of shit on there at the moment. I wouldn't even bother going there. Mm -hmm. Go, go to fucking Rod. Go to like, go find some bear thesis and see whether or not you believe in it. You know, and weigh the arguments up. Mm -hmm. Or don't get involved and watch from the sidelines. It's fucked and it's yeah. stressful. So It is stressful. It's like yeah. a second job. Um, but, I mean, you and I are probably putting in, you know, some far, far lesser um, amount of work than the likes of Rod is. So, big ups to him. Um, we're all... we. What is that, what is that saying? Um, 
we stand on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. let's wrap it up. If you want right. to follow us on social media, Instagram, uh, at Modern Guilt Pod, Twitter, guilt underscore modern. You can email us, modernguiltpod at gmail.com. Give us your thoughts, feedback, share the pod, review it on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Spotify, take care, whatever else. Peace. We're done. Take it easy. Bye. See you next time. Bye.